Well, it was good to be with you this morning. Uh, September is always an exciting time. There's always lots starting up, and it's always start- exciting to start these things. Uh, one thing we forgot to share with you before is that we, today we have a golf tournament, and if you would be interested in joining us, it is taking place at 3 o'clock this afternoon at Jerusalem, and so I believe we have space for you. Uh, following the golf, uh, John and Helen Bamman will host us for uh, a wiener roast, so you're welcome to come to that too. And if you don't know where they live, come to golf first, and then we will tell you. All right. So a number of years ago, back in 2005, while I was uh, still working full-time at, at a Bible camp, I helped lead a group of young adults on a, a work mission trip to California. Now, we were going to spend about a month serving at a different Bible camp there. One of my responsibilities was to drive one of the vans. My job was not to lead us there. Rather, I was the van that followed. Now, as the second following van, I was not equipped with very much. I had a tape deck, which I prepared a nice mixtape for, a short-range walkie-talkie to communicate with the lead van, because we were in the, traveling in the U.S., and that was about it. Uh, I don't think we had... No one had a GPS. Uh, I don't think they even gave me a paper map. Uh, nevertheless, I knew my job, right? Uh, follow the lead van. Now, and that I did quite well. Manitoba to California is a, a pretty long journey. Uh, it's, and we go through all kinds of terrain. Now, following the lead van was pretty easy at first. Uh, especially on those long, open freeways. Oh, before I continue my rest of my story... Uh, Shine Kids, you are welcome to, go, to be dismissed to Shine Kids. That's ages three to kindergarten. They're meeting in the lower level. So if you have kids that age and like to go to that, you are dismissed to bring your kids to that. All right, let me continue my story here. So following the lead van was pretty easy at first, uh, especially on those big open freeways uh, in the prairies specifically. Now traveling through the snowy mountains, that was... A bit more challenging. We had to put on these snow chains when we got to the mountains. Um, That was challenging. But the biggest challenge came when we arrived at these large cities uh, with complex overpasses uh, and ramps, tons of traffic, and enough lanes to cause plenty of confusion. This is where following the lead van became very difficult. I had my eyes glued to that van. And we communicated often with our walkie-talkies, And I matched the speed of the van in front of me. Uh, When it changed lanes, I changed lanes. Uh, When it uh, turned, I turned. When it blew through yellow, oh, I shook my head and hoped it was still yellow. (laughs) Because I knew what would happen if I got separated or if I missed the correct turnoff on those big freeways in those cities. I'd be lost, possibly in a few miles in the wrong direction. And those walkie-talkies only last so and so long in certain, certain distance. And so and I had a van full of young adults who di- didn't know the way. I didn't know the way. And so I followed. Discipleship is an invitation to follow. And our theme this year is on discipleship, more specifically on disciple-making. It is a journey from being made into a disciple of Jesus and then looking out and going out to invite others onto this journey of discipleship with us. This is disciple-making. This is the model Jesus has given us. So what does it mean to be a disciple? A disciple of Jesus is someone who is 
following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and is committed to the mission of Jesus. It is relational at its core. Uh, discipleship is a journey. Right? No one arrives when they first start. They don't arrive at the end. It's a journey. And every one of you, if you are here this morning or if you're listening online, every one of you is somewhere on that journey today. Perhaps you've been following Jesus for, for many years. You, have, you are deeply committed to his teachings. You, you're spending time with him, even helping others on the journey. Perhaps your journey looks a little messier. You've said yes to follow Jesus, but, but you've taken your, your eyes off of him and made a few wrong turns and gotten a little lost on the journey. And perhaps some of you have spent a long time wandering in the back roads following your own sense of direction and feeling lost, but perhaps you've recently turned and said, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. And there are some of you here today who are curious and just want to learn more, want to learn, want to learn more about discipleship and what it means to follow Jesus. Right, who is he? What does he ask of us? Like anything, discipleship, specifically becoming a disciple, a follower of Jesus, it starts somewhere. And if you look through the stories in the gospel accounts, discipleship always, always starts with people who are lost, people who need help, people who are broken and hurting and need freedom. The journey of discipleship does not mean that you have to first be perfect. The journey doesn't start after You've cleaned up your life or been freed from addiction or, or been healed from your hurt. If that was the case, none of us would be here. Rather, discipleship starts when we say yes to Jesus' invitation to follow him. It starts the moment we open our hearts to God and desire to follow him, be changed by him. That moment when you confess that Jesus is Lord and you are not. Okay, let's look at our scripture passage this morning. We're going to look at Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. And so if you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you to open to this passage, Luke 5, 1 to 11. Uh, I generally make a habit of having the verses on the screen as well for those who do not have a Bible with them. Uh, but having your own copy is always better. Uh, so it allows you to refer to the, the passage as we go throughout the sermon. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, if you don't own one, we have some at the Connect Center, and we'd be delighted to give you one after the service. Okay, this is Luke 5, 1 to 11. I'm going to read from the NLT version this morning. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. And he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. And so he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. All right, now the first thing we want to notice in these verses is that the, the, the people were hungry to hear the word of the Lord. Right, this is evidenced by the great crowds that had come to hear him teach. By, the t by this time in the story, the news about Jesus had begun to spread. And Peter, James, and John, I mean, they, they had already heard plenty about him. Now, there isn't a lot of detail regarding how many times these soon-to-be disciples had already met Jesus. Uh, Simon, soon-to-be known as Peter, had obviously met him before. 
Uh, he had great respect for Jesus. And so when Jesus asked to use his boat to teach from, Simon agreed. Jesus was a respected teacher. Who was he to say no? And Simon Peter, he had a front row seat. And the teaching, and teaching from the boat, Jesus had created kind of a, a natural amphitheater to teach from. So he's sitting in the boat, and his voice would have carried well to those who were listening on the shore. Okay, verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now, go out towards deeper and let your nets down to catch some fish. Are any fishermen here? Okay, do you ever do that? Do you ever go out into the deep water and throw your line in the water? In the heat of the... No, no one does that. Uh, it's a well-known fact on the Sea of Galilee that the best time to catch fish was at night or in the early morning in the shallow water, not in the heat of the day in the deep water. Therefore, what Jesus asked Simon Peter to do was contrary to all of his training and experience. Besides, what does this carpenter know about fishing? That's what we know. But the key thing you've got to notice is that Peter obeyed. Now, had Peter not obeyed, well, he would have, had he just missed Jesus' call and invitation and thought, ah, you don't know what you're talking about, he never would have experienced what he was about to experience. So Peter had faith. He didn't know what was going to happen. Let down your nets in the deep water, right? But he was willing to follow Jesus' lead and do what Jesus wanted rather than what he thought was best. And who's kidding who? Following someone else, even though we think we know better? Well, that is a difficult thing for all of us to do. But isn't this what Jesus calls us to? Verse 5. Master, Simon Peter replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. And a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. There was something deeply profound about this miracle. Now first, Jesus was speaking the language, if you will, of these fishermen. This was a fishing miracle to a bunch of mind-blown fishermen. They knew this was a downright miracle. And second, and, and much more profound, something I don't think that these men would have picked up on until much later, Jesus was giving them a snapshot if you will, a foretaste of what he is going to do through them. For God is going to do a miracle and he's going to bring so many people, right? people from every nation, tribe, and language into his kingdom. Be ready. Verse 8. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. Now, this seems like a bit of an odd response. Right? What caused Peter to be so aware of his sin in that moment? Well, you see, this was kind of a, a holy awe kind of moment. See, a couple weeks ago I talked about the fear of the Lord. And this was a fear of the Lord kind of moment. Completely awestruck. 
Peter falls to his knees and says, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. And so it was in that moment that Simon Peter recognized that he was in the presence of someone great and holy and awesome. Now, he didn't know that he was in the presence of God in the flesh. Not yet. But he knew that Jesus was someone holy and special. And what happens is, when you find yourself in the presence of someone who was such, with such power and such greatness and such holiness, is that you realize very quickly how, how small, how weak, how sinful you really are. And so Peter's response, it, it reminds us of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6, when, the prophet, when God gives the prophet Isaiah a glimpse of his holiness and his greatness, And the first response is a recognition of just how sinful and weak he is. This is Isaiah's response, 6 verse 5. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And so like Isaiah in that moment, in this boat, this was a life-altering moment for Peter. Verse 10. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed him, followed Jesus. All right, now notice what Jesus says to Simon Peter. There's two imperatives here combined into one invitation. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Don't be afraid. Now, this is what he leads with. Afraid of what? Why does Jesus lead with that? Well, God often tells people before he calls them to something to not be afraid. But it's because this is connected to the next sentence. It means leaving what they know, leaving what's comfortable, and going out in faith into something new and unknown. And... Well, if we're honest, this is difficult for all of us. This was an open-ended call. Were they to follow Jesus for a week? A month? A year? How would they make a living? Where would they go? What would they do? Fish for people? What does that even mean? But here's the thing. They had just witnessed the most amazing miracle they had ever seen up until that point. They had just encountered the most amazing person they'd ever known. And he was inviting, he's inviting me. How do you say no? And then in verse 11, Luke says, In six simple words, something that would not have been simple, they left everything and followed Jesus. Everything. All right? Their boats, their families, the biggest catch of their lives. Now, maybe all those fish were were given to the crowd. Uh, We don't know. Uh, All we know is that they received an invitation to something. No, they received an invitation to someone worth more than anything else they knew. And so they took that invitation and they followed him. The truth of the matter is, as human beings, we need someone to follow. We just don't know the way on our own. And we 
as human beings, we have proven this throughout history. Right? In fact, throughout the entire story of Scripture, and throughout all of history, for that matter, we see what happens when people follow their own sense of direction. Right? When, they, when they turn off the path because they desire to follow their own selfish pursuits and pleasures, it's not good. It leads to destruction. It leads to greed, indulgence, and broken relationships, and all kinds of problems. And this is what we so often do. But this is where Jesus' invitation is just so significant, so life-giving. Jesus, the author of life, right, wisdom personified, he invites us to follow him, to join him in his way, in his pursuits, his mission. And as we will see in the weeks and months to come, it, it looks different than the ways of this world. But Jesus leads to life. He leads us to, life, to hope and purpose. So like I said earlier, every one of us is on this journey of discipleship somewhere. And whether you have been following Jesus for many years, whether you are new to the journey, or if you have been distracted and become lost on the journey, or whether you are uncertain if you even want to start the journey of discipleship and following Jesus, wherever you are at, on the journey, this invitation extends to you as well. Jesus is inviting you to follow him. And like the story I shared earlier about following the van, right? we need to continually keep our eyes and our hearts fixed on Jesus. We don't say yes once and suddenly arrive. It's a continual thing. And this is why we meet together every Sunday. Uh, this is why we regularly study our Bibles and why we spend time in prayer on a regular basis to keep our eyes, our hearts fixed on Jesus because we're easily distracted. If your cell phone beeps, you, you know how distracted you are. And that invitation is always, Jesus' invitation is always into deeper relationship and deeper trust for Jesus, our Lord, our Creator is the only one who knows the way. So last week I shared a little bit about my own discipleship journey. Uh, grade 7 all the way through the first part of grade 10 were probably the most difficult years of my life. Uh, I remember at, at times feeling lost and angry. But in grade 10, my, my youth pastor, he invited me into discipleship. And he asked me if I wanted to join this, this ministry team in the youth group I attended. And like I said last week, I remember exactly where I was sitting in that McDonald's that day. I remember pondering the cost. I remember thinking about how I didn't really want to join. I remember thinking about, you know, the others in the group weren't really friends of mine yet. Uh, would people make fun of me for being part of this? Uh, I, ju I just wasn't sure what it was all about. And looking back, I mean, the only thing I can say is that, man, the Holy Spirit was working in my life that day. And that was the moment where my journey of being a disciple of Jesus took a very intentional step when I said, yes. Now, in a way, my story has some parallels to that of the disciples' journey. See, I made a new set of friends, right, that were positive influences, right, friendships that, that totally changed my life. And I, I had no idea how desperately I craved these healthy relationships until I got them. And we began to study God's Word. We learned to pray together. Uh, we started extending that to others, right, we, what we were learning uh, and that summer, I then went on my first mission trip, and then I spent the first of many summers serving at a Bible camp. 
And the moment I started investing in others, right, learning to disciple others, learning, right, it's, it's a journey, something, something just like, it clicked. Right, I, I, was, I was partnering with God. I had purpose in a way that I had never had before. And it was super challenging. It's always super challenging. Uh, my immaturity would have shown at times, but it was as I began to join God in disciple-making, right, in serving, teaching, helping others, in whatever ways God had gifted me, I also began to grow even more as a disciple of Jesus. Now in verse 10, Jesus tells Simon Peter, he says, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Now, if that's the first time you've ever heard that phrase, it may sound a little bit odd. Fish for people. What does that mean? Right? Bait them with a hook and slice them up for dinner? No. Jesus is speaking the language of these fishermen. Essentially, what it means, it's, it's drawing people in. It's drawing people to Jesus. It's this idea of, of casting out a net or throwing out a line and drawing people in. Inviting them, not into, not into a burdensome religion. That is not what Jesus is about. Not, as, not into some burdensome religion, but inviting them into the way, the truth, and the life. The world is lost, and they need to know the way, the truth, and the life. They need to know Jesus, because that is who Jesus is. He is hope, he is peace, he is love, he is everything that we long for. Now, throughout Jesus' earthly ministry, we read all kinds of stories of people who met Jesus, were changed by Jesus, and then were then committed to follow him. And there were some, like the disciples, who were called to leave their professions, leave their families, leave everything they knew to go and bring the good news of Jesus to people and places that did not know about him yet. But there also would have been some, we were, Many, actually, in fact. We read about some of them who were committed to follow Jesus, and yet they were called to remain in their hometown or the profession that they were in. But as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple of Jesus, their mission was now different. It was greater. It was much more significant. See, after meeting Jesus, they now had an eternal perspective on what they were doing, the people they were reaching, for example, for those working in finance, no longer is it just about fishing for more money or greater returns. As a follower of Jesus, you're fishing for people. Right? Finance is the tool, the, the avenue, if you will. People are the mission. Your clients, your coworkers, the people that God has orchestrated for you to be around and to interact with. For those in the trades, builders, electricians, plumbers, painters, whatever it is, God has called you to something greater, something much longer lasting than the physical work you will accomplish, which is also important. God has called you to be a witness where you are, to build into people. So how do you do this in the area that you are? I mean, well, build and do business with integrity, with generosity. Notice the people who are closest to you, your coworkers, your employees, Take an interest in them. Listen to them. Hear their longings and speak truth and hope to them. 
Be someone they can imitate as you seek to imitate Jesus. As Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. For those of you working in retail, stocking shelves, cashiers, flipping burgers, whatever it is, remember that what you are doing is far greater than the money you are earning and the, and the service you are providing. As a follower of Jesus, you've been called to fish for people. And therefore, be a light, an interaction of hope and encouragement to the people who will cross your path each day, even if it is just a minute or two. I encourage you to live counterculturally in this world. For example, when you're on your break, I encourage you to make a habit of putting your phone away and taking an interest in the person across the table from you, your coworker, or the people across, the people around you. Right? Learn their name. Ask them something about themselves. I tell you, there are some people who will spill their stuff pretty quickly because they are craving for someone to listen and care. Right? I've experienced this plenty of times. Most people, it seems, really like to talk about themselves and share their own thoughts and opinions. But when you take a genuine interest in another person, when you give them space to listen, you are offering a gift that is increasingly rare in this world. And when people know that you care, you then gain credibility to speak into their life. And one simple way that you can weave faith into conversations is by offering to pray for them. Right? And share with them the hope that you have. You know, the story we looked at today began when Simon Peter said yes to Jesus. Yes to having Jesus teach from his boat. And then yes to casting his net into the deeper part of the lake. And then yes to leaving everything and following Jesus. And this, this is discipleship. It's one step, one yes at a time. It's allowing God to shape you as you journey with him. This morning, we want to give some space for you to say yes to Jesus, regardless of where you are at on your journey of discipleship. So I'd like to invite the, the band to come forward. This morning, I want to invite you into a time of prayer. And as we sing these, these closing songs, if the Holy Spirit is prompting you to, and you desire to say yes and take that step and say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to enter into this life of discipleship. I, am, I invite you this morning to come forward. And we have some people who will be up the front here who will just be delighted to pray for you. And I, I, know, that, I know that we're not a very responsive people. Uh, we're not overly expressive. Uh, that's okay. Uh, there's nothing like magical about coming to the front. Um, but what it is, it is a tangible expression of that commitment and an opportunity for someone to pray over you. And so we desire to journey toward and with Jesus together. And so likewise, if you have wandered from the path and if you've been distracted by the things of this world and lost sight of Jesus, if you hear this invitation and you say yes to follow Jesus and this call to discipleship, I invite you as well 
to take that step and to come forward as well. And we would love to pray with you and to journey together with you. And if you are here today and you have been following Jesus for a long time, and you hear the Spirit inviting you to take that next step toward Jesus and, and be an intentional fisher of people in the setting, in the place that he has called you, or, or elsewhere if the Lord is calling you elsewhere, I invite you to come forward as well. For we would love to pray over you, that God would empower you to say no to fear, and that he would equip you with courage and wisdom and power to go and make disciples. I invite the prayer team to come forward. Uh, no one is here to judge you. We simply desire to pray with you and to journey together as fellow disciples. Don't be afraid. Follow me, Jesus says. And so as the band leads us in these closing songs, I, I want to invite you all to stand. And if the Spirit is leading you, and you, I invite you to say yes to Jesus, no to fear, yes to Jesus, and we would just be delighted to pray with you and, and journey together as disciples. And if in the event that someone's with the prayer team, I invite you to come sit in the front row and we will be praying for you as we are able. Let's sing together.